Hey there, everyone. I'm Andrew Fulton, your host of the Rigway Podcast. This episode is going to be really interesting. Before we start the conversation between our great friend Jason Selman and myself, we want to thank everyone for listening to episode six, and we hope you enjoyed that conversation with Chad Ziprich. And I especially want to thank those that have subscribed to the podcast. To the contractors that are listening, Rig Rope Access is an IRATA operating and training company. IRATA is the Industrial Rope Access Trade Association, and I'm going to share with you IRATA's aims and objectives from their website. So here they are to be the leading worldwide organization for rope access. Promote and maintain high standards, safety, work quality, and working practices for the industrial rope access industry. Dedicated to improving best practices for individuals working in rope access. Promoting continual improvement in the education and training aspects of rope access, and increasing awareness of the advantages of rope access over alternative access methods. So there you have it. Those are the aims and objectives of why RIG is an IRATA operations and IRATA training company. IRATA is the highest standard in the rope access industry, and that is definitely the RIG way. All right, Jason, thanks for your time this afternoon. I definitely appreciate you joining me for this conversation. And everybody, Jason and I will be talking about an interesting time that I'm coming up in life right now some solid success strategies, and of course, a wild adventure story. Oh yeah, this is gonna be, this is gonna be good. Uh, so right now, I think what you're referring to, Andrew, is you're coming up on your one year since making the transition out of the entertainment industry and dedicating your time completely to rig and helping with the rig rope access, rebranding, and, and really getting into the shop and playing more of a pivotal role. So uh, I'm gonna talk to you about that and, and how it came to be and and what it took to make that happen. So uh, let's just jump right into it. All right. One year, it. buddy. Yep, it's been one year. It's uh, it's been uh, it's been a great year. It was interesting because it was a you know a transition that was kind of daunting to me because you know I'd you know gotten to a, a place in my career that uh, was very comfortable. Yeah. And uh, I felt great about it. You know, I, I basically had my uh, little world wrapped up and and it was you know yeah it was great so I think right uh, 10 years ago because that's kind of this time frame we're talking about this last decade I remember you at the Mac just telling all of us who were working there I'm only spending 10 years here guys it's you know got seven years left got five years <laughs> left got three years left well this is the last year yeah that's true you know it was like I saw getting that job at UNLV as an awesome opportunity you know, it really was, but uh, it wasn't the means to an end for me because there's a lot of great things to do. And I loved it that I could have a venue and make it my own and really shape, shape my world, you know, and uh, there's a lot of comfort in that. And I learned a lot of things during that uh, career because also during that time, I uh, was fortunate to get a great job with PRG and that really just kept a whole group of us working all the time, yep. you know, between the Mac and between doing PRG jobs. And, you know, we started RIG in 2015. Mm -hmm. And uh, look at us now, you know, we're in our eighth year. And um, I love to think that, yes, this is what we all envisioned 
what we're doing right now. But that wasn't, you know, we didn't know that this is what it was going to build into. So, And it took a lot of work to get to the point where it is now. Oh, it, it took so much work. And, you know, our formula was basically just uh, never turn down work, you know. So if the entertainment work came our way, we would do entertainment work and build out our rope access business. And, you know, it started coming about that I could see that, you know, just a few years ago, like, okay, this is going to be a possibility for me to make this a a new career. Right. Yeah. And it was, um, you know, as we grew this company and we got our contractors licenses and more opportunities were coming along and... I just saw that, uh, you know, this probably really can happen. So, uh, and, you know, you asked, you know, you said, you know, how did it happen? Well, it's a team. Yeah. For sure. And that's really how everything worked out at the Mac, too. And everything for PRG was about a team, right? Yep. We, we built these great teams. You were always a part of the team. And we just uh, did work everywhere. Yep. All over town. Um, all over the country. And it was a great, um, a great time, but eventually the way I look at it is you can only climb Mount Everest so many times, you know, you can only pull rabbits out of a hat so many times, you know, and then pretty soon it's just like, man, it's like, I love wearing a cape. It's cool. You know, one of our, uh, old school producers who's, um, you know, um, no longer with us that I did a lot of jobs um, with for many years. He used to say that uh, riggers are low-level superheroes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's kind of true, you know? Yeah. And it's an exhausting career. It is. It really is because, you know, quite often you're dealing with, you become a master at dealing with other people's poor planning. Mm-hmm. And when you get yourself into a position where you're dealing with that all the time and being able to pull rabbits out of hats, they just get used to it. Yep. Like, oh, this is how we can do business. And uh, man, it's, it's great when somebody wants to get better. Yep. Like when you have a client that says, hey, do you have anything that you think that we could do next time to make this job a little bit easier, a little bit better? That very rarely is ever <laughs> right at the end of the gig, you know. Those days are few and far between. So, right, why is it important now for, for you to be committing more of your time to rig rope access? And, you know, how do you think that you're going to really help develop the rig portfolio? Well, that's a, that's a really great question, you know. It's a... Um being present is important, right? So for years and years and years, I wasn't present. I was a part of mm-hmm. the company and I was managing these jobs for other companies, yep. basically the state of Nevada and PRG. And so there was this disconnect, sure. right? And I saw that, you know, what I like to do is what I'm doing right now. Mm-hmm. You know, this is one of my favorite things. I've always loved to... Um, just promote whatever it is I'm doing at the time. Exactly. So I did that with rigging, you know, um, 
I'll, I'll get back to your question in a second, but you know, I was probably the first rigger ever that thought a job was so cool that I'd bring a camera crew in to film our job. Yep. And, uh, you know, that was a little audacious. It was on the Caterpillar job for, um, mine expo and uh, big PRG job. It's a big GES job. And, and I just thought, man, this job is so cool, man. We, we need to document this. Yep. And, and I approached our client at GES and approached the, who I, I gave him, you know, my spiel. I said, yeah, this is what we need to do. And it's going to be amazing. And he's like, I already have a camera guy. He'll do it for you. And I go, no, 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 he, he's working for you. This camera guy's working for me. <laughs> and he goes, what? You're going to have your own camera guy following you around? I go, yeah, yeah, it's going to be great. And it really was. It was uh, people were a little put off by it. Um, they wanted to make sure that it never, you know, impeded work. Yep. That we um, were always moving ahead with the schedule and all of our tasks. And I assured them that we would. And the video turned out so good. Um, PRG ended up using it for a national sales meeting. Yeah. And it was just this cool little, like, rigging video of like loading in caterpillar and all the machines coming into the convention center yeah and then after that we did work again another big job that we filmed where it was just this huge process of like let's let's show how cool our job is and really how good we are at it totally and and i was into it and so i was always i've always been into doing that kind of stuff and so like with rig I really see a big part of, you know, what uh, my role is, one of my roles is promoting our excellence, that we are an outstanding company to, to work with and that we can execute and deliver our intentions. Yeah. You know, because that's one of the things, you know, uh, and you know this very well, people will just make promises to you all day long about how the job is going to be and how it's going to go. And, yeah, sometimes it works out like that. <laughs> yeah. But most of the time it doesn't. But like filming everything and promoting everything and being kind of uh, that you're interested in, you know, the new age content model that we're living in. Yeah. I, I mean, it, what we do is very niche. Um, you know, I mean, you've got you've got uh, guys doing crane work and lifting super heavy stuff on buildings. And that's definitely an aspect. And I know that there's videos on YouTube and TikToks that are blowing up about, you know, big crane stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and the rope access field, I don't see having that much content built around it. So I think like where you're headed with this, the promotional aspect of it is going to be phenomenal. We're really bringing a lot of awareness to this line of work and really helping to inspire the next generation of people to join ranks. Yeah, join no up. doubt about it. Uh, that was a great way to put it because it's literally a career that has emerged within my career lifetime. Right. And it's come about in your career lifetime as a skill set and as a way to go do work. And people should be aware of it. Contractors should know that this is an available resource. Mm -hmm. Uh, young folks who like uh, an exciting career path should know that this opportunity is available to them out there. Yeah. So it's a great, it's a really great gig. Totally. Yeah. So now that you're going full-time at, at RIG, well, we say full-time, you've, you've been there full-time, yeah. but uh, the, this transition from the entertainment world to just directly working for RIG Rope Access, are you finding that there's similarities between the entertainment world and being 
strictly devoted to rig rope access? Well, the similarities are that people are always needing needing assistance. The services, right? They're needing the services, yeah. right? And so we're a solution-oriented organization, right? And so, that's great. And that's what I always saw myself as, as a professional rigger, right. is that I'm offering solutions, I'm offering efficiencies, and really what it boils down to at the end of the day is that we profit from what we're doing, mm -hmm. you know, that we're not out there practicing. And in the trade show industry, I constantly saw people practicing their job on the client's dime because the client wasn't planning. Right. And I'm like, so what this is, is the planning, right? How important planning is and planning jobs and planning projects. That's, and being able to execute is really how you build your career, mm -hmm. you know, and being able to, you know, people say, okay, I can rely on this guy. He's going to deliver. He is a good leader. And, um, yeah, we made money on this job. Right. Yeah. That's what it comes down to. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. You talk about the planning aspect. I think that's something that is just so, you know, baked into the rope access style of work is that you come to work with an access plan, yeah. a rescue plan, yeah. a, you know, you have, you know, documentation of everything that you're doing. Yeah. So it's very, very heavy on the back end of, of how do we make this a successful event? Totally. And I think that that jives absolutely with your, with your values. Yeah. So yeah. that's just great. Yeah. That's how it is. You know, it's, it's just like, I love planning. It's one of my favorite things to right? do, you know, and uh, growing up in construction, whenever you're building homes, you know, you're always planning. You're always, you know, um, just making sure that you can pull this gig off. So, um, yeah, you know, do you have anything you want to, we're going to wrap up this section. You have anything you want to ask me before we go into the next little well, yeah, I know. I know that there's like overlap between entertainment and, and rope access, but I mean, pretty much, I think in some of the past episodes as well, you know, we kind of just want to give a, a quick little hit to like what makes a, a, a newcomer to these fields successful. Yeah. So like a couple of things, I, I know you and Bob and Chad always talk about these things, but for sure, what are some stuff that new people coming into rope access or new people coming into the entertainment, what's going to help them benefit most? Um, I love people who go the extra mile. Mm -hmm. it, I, when I see somebody who has that quality right out of the gate, I gravitate towards that person because that person is going to do more than they're asked because that's who they are. And that is really, really important to me. And if you want to build your career, you can use just that one simple, simple thing of just going the extra mile and people will notice it and you will always get back, asked back to the job. Sure. It's just, it, it's, my mom taught us that when we were young. I've used that. I believe in it and I've seen it work. Countless times. Countless times. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. All right. So this was a great fun first section, you guys. I uh, gave you a little bit of background on the segue from the entertainment rigging industry into, uh, working for a rope access company <laughs> who would have ever thought, you know, so hope you enjoyed it and get prepared for this next little section. Cause we're going to give you a lot of fun stuff there too. All right, everyone, we're going to keep this fun conversation rolling along. 
Yeah, so let's uh, let's dive into more of the details of what your what your responsibilities are at Rig Rope Access right now. Oh uh, yeah, that's a that's a great question, and just like all of us at Rig, I wear a few hats. And of course, I deal with rigging related projects, which I enjoy because uh, when the rigging comes across my my plate, I just like to dive into it. But really what I'm doing is, is client development in various industries where rope access is utilized. So basically sales. Sales, yes. <laughs> and so how do you get into developing client relations? Well, it's a lot of uh, spending time on the computer. Sure. All right. LinkedIn is a really super resource. Yep. You can really reach out to an amazing variety of people. Yep. It's just such a standardized platform now. Um, so I develop these connections on LinkedIn, you know, kind of get little conversations going. Yep. And then you always kind of are at this, this spot where like, all right, I want to, I want to go further with this. And yeah. so it's always like, I'm reaching out to individuals and companies that I believe have a need for our services. Mm -hmm. Now, oftentimes they may not even know what our services are or understand them, nor realize that they have a need for them. Right. All right. And man, it can be painful. Okay. It can be painful. Sales, they say, is probably one of the most challenging jobs there is because you have to get really good with being told no. Right. No, I don't need you. No, not interested. You hear no more than you hear yes. Of course. Yeah. Um, so no's on LinkedIn. Nah, okay, whatever. That's it's impersonal because it's kind of an impersonal way to build relationships anyway. But the hardest is like when you've gone a couple moves forward, like you've actually initiated a meeting and, and they give you a little bit of their time and then they're just kind of like, Oh, no, I don't think so. Oh, I think so. We'll be in touch. And you're just like, whoa, come yeah. on. So you just have to keep plugging away, plugging away, plugging away. Yep. And you have to be tenacious. You know? Which which you are. And so this is uh, <laughs> this is not too much of a departure from, from where you were before. I mean, it's really convincing people that the services that Rig Rope Access provides is going to be the services that they need and it's going to be a, a good price for the project that they're trying to complete. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I reach out to people naturally in the wind industry. Yeah. I'm not reaching out to companies that do the services for turnarounds and energy plants and okay. uh, chemical plants, mm -hmm. places where NDT inspection is utilized heavily and access is really challenging. So, you know, doing the work on ropes is really easy. Right. Um, and a lot of these companies do have in-house rope access. I've learned a lot, so much of how really deeper the rope access industry is than I realized. A lot of these companies are like, oh, we have an in-house, we're in-house, we do this. And I'm like, oh, wow, wow, okay, interesting. Um, lots of reaching out to big civil construction companies. Mm -hmm. Because basically rope access is a way to get a job done faster, right? more efficiently, and sometimes safer, you know. Than um, putting up a bunch of scaffolding or yeah. any other other methods of access, right? Yeah, it, it's really true. And one of the things that we've been doing a lot is I've been going to trade shows. And I've really been having a lot of fun attending these expos around the country that are all wind related so far. Yeah. And I just walk around and I meet everybody and, 
and just have a really great time. And I'm never there by myself, which is a really great thing because one of the uh, attributes I've discovered about myself uh, towards sales is, and, and people, when I tell them, oh, I'm doing sales for rig and all this, they're like, oh, that's really great, Andrew. It must be very natural for you. You're such a talker and you love to talk with people. I'm going, yeah, that's really great. But I'm not a closer. Right. All right. I, I really feel like as soon as I have your interest, I've won. And so I'm kind of on to the next thing. Right. And so that's why having a sidekick, you know, at these trade shows and oftentimes it's been Trevor with me mm -hmm. and he just comes right in and he closes the deal. It's really beautiful. Yeah. Chad's a great closer too. Nice. He can go in and just, and Bob is too. These guys just, I'm the opener. And, and uh, you know, I get people excited about hearing the message and I'm like, all right, here, yeah. here you go. Listen to these guys. <laughs> Trevor calls us, we're the multi-tool of rope access. We can do so many different things. It's a great terminology for it. Yeah, he, he really nailed it. And so, yeah, it's been really interesting, you know, attending these trade shows. And um, one of our goals is that at the next trade show we attend, we do a podcast there. Mm -hmm. um, and I really love the wind energy industry. I think it's an important part of the portfolio of energy. Yeah. I don't think, you know, 100% because there's times when it's not windy, you know, we have energy storage problems. So where do we store the energy, you know, and stuff like that. So I love the, I love the, uh, the formula of renewables. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, of course, rig, we work in oil and gas too. Yeah. And we're proud to do that. Yeah. We love it. And, uh, because it takes a high degree of skill and talent to pull those jobs off. Yeah. I mean, it's really, it's kind of like all the things that keep uh, the lights on, that keep the motor going for, for everybody, Yeah. right? So we get to play a small part in that and get to have a good time doing it and get to work at height. So it gets to, you know, satisfy our, our desires for adventure Yeah. and while we're contributing to something larger, right? So it's kind of a, a great all-around field to be in. Yeah, So for sure. Yeah, that's really cool that that you're you know really dedicated to uh, bringing the message out there and to uh, promoting rig rope access and uh, yeah, I, I think that everything that is going on with this company is great and your transition into this new role is it suits you very well. Oh, I appreciate you saying that. Uh, one of the other fun things that I love doing at Rig is I love answering the phone. It's it's one of my favorite things and. Uh, you know, when Chad Ziprich isn't there, I, I'm always answering the phone. And man, we've had a couple opportunities. And I always, I'm like, answer the phone very cheerfully. Right. You know, it's because you got it. You just have to do it that way. You know, it's like, I'm always like, you know, before it was like, hello, Rigging International Group. Yeah. You know, and it's not like, hello, Rigging International Group. <laughs> or now it's like, hello, Rig Rope Access. Yeah. And it's not like, hello, Rig Rope Access. You know, and it's like, so you want people to feel like, oh man, this is a friendly guy on the end of their phone. And twice now we've it's been late afternoon i answered the phone i just started rapping with a guy and it was a job we won wow it was great and uh one of our win jobs was that way a, a fellow from uh, wood energy and his name was desroy and just we he and i had a fun conversation and yeah pretty soon we were out there on one of their big win firms awesome <laughs> yeah so and it was funny because growing up my mom was really big into phone etiquette right yeah, it was it was a way we were raised so that's fun. That's that's interesting that you kind of go from the LinkedIn model to having these just kind of random phone calls, and uh, you get to see both ends oh. of the spectrum play out, right? Yeah, yeah. 
You know, back in the day when I was young and I was uh, hunting work in this town, it was with a phone book. Mm -hmm. And I started out in the entertainment industry as a production assistant mm -hmm. and a, a PA, you know, we, we had pagers. We didn't even have cell phones. Nobody had a cell phone yet. And we had pagers and then, and you traveled with a phone book and everything was from that. And this uh, called the Nevada production directory. And now everything is so easy and information is so available. Yeah. And, you know, I always say the kids will never know. Yeah. What a phone book was, how important of a resource was our Google. Yep. But that goes into the, the, the whole sales model, right? Kind of what you're more invested in right now. You know, the big thing with sales is ABCs, right? Have you heard this? No, no. Always be closing. Oh, always be closing. ABCs. That's great. Okay. I picked so one up today. You've got the A and the B. Yeah. But you got to work on the C. I got to work on the C. Yeah, <laughs> totally. And it's, it's really fun. And you know, one of the, one of the things is, is when we were building our rigging teams at the Mac and for PRG, the reason why that was necessary is how much work was coming our way. Mm -hmm. Right. And the crux was we always needed leaders to go lead these jobs. It's really easy to find people to turn wrenches yeah. or to hang points, but it's much more difficult to find a leader who can run the crew in an organized fashion and where there's a good energy and communicate with the client and everybody's doing well. And you're working with other unions too, simultaneously, you know? Um, so, you know, that being said, I think that, uh, you know, at rig training, training leaders of the future is a big thing for me. Sure. Project managers, people who can go and execute jobs because, you know, eventually, a young guy should be thinking hopefully towards kind of a different, less physical role. Right. You know, and not everybody, some guys will just work hard to the end, you know, but some are kind of like, you know, kind of like having a clipboard, right. <laughs> you know, and a tape measure and, you know, being the guy that answers the questions. Sure. But it takes a long time to get there. It does. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And so that would, that would kind of segue into, you know, what you were really honed in on the entertainment, uh, world as well, especially at your time at PRG is you were trying to cultivate this like leadership program. Yeah. So I, there's a lot of things that would kind of overlay and mesh together very well. Oh, for sure. Within the rope access world and, for sure. and trying to keep developing, you know, leaders. And yeah. Absolutely. Pushing leadership. Yeah. Leadership is a, you know, um, there's the term out there born leaders and that term just really applies to a person's potential. All right, because the potential has to be developed. Yep. And the best thing that is uh, a young up and coming leader can do is to go get actual leadership training. Yeah. To be able to, because I was taught this when I was a young rock climbing guide by Randall Grandstaff, that uh, there's a big difference between a climber who's guiding and a guide who's guiding. Mm -hmm. And that applies to rigging as well. There's a big difference between a rigger who's rigging and the rigger who's leading the rigging. Yeah. And so, yeah, you know, that's what I'm all about. Or we're all about. That's why I'm so, you know, thrilled that you're at the Mac as we can continue building leaders of the future for both industries. For both. Yeah, totally. So where do you see, like, within this leadership realm, I mean, uh, you see rig developing a program like that in the future. Uh, where would you like to see rig in, in 10 years? Oh, um, well, I'm going to say exactly what uh, Bob and Chad would say is that we're the world's best rope access company and that we have taken our ability to execute 
projects into a higher level. For instance, like I loved talking to classes at UNLV, mm -hmm. you know, about where at the entertainment engineering school and about where they could take their careers. Yeah. And that's kind of the exact same thing. I would love to see that we are actually having some courses in scholastic environments for up and coming leaders and teaching them how rope access can benefit their projects because guys who go to work out of college as young engineers, project managers to work for these big companies building stadiums and uh, skyscrapers and bridges, they need to know what's happening yeah. and what's available to them out there. Yep. So that's kind of where I see rig, rig having a big impact. Right on. So kind of like an overlay between the educational fields, the vocational fields, leadership training. So we're kind of creating a new, a new triangle, your favorite shape. Yeah, yes, of course. Yes, I'm, I'm a fan of the triangles. It's the strongest, simplest shape. And uh, yeah, you know, I mean, my personal creed in life is lead, teach, inspire. And that's what we're always trying to do and let everybody know like, hey, man, we want to help you maximize your potential. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what we're all about. That's the rig way. So in 10 years, being at the forefront of leading, teaching, and inspiring. That's right, man. That's right. Boy, it sounds, sounds good to me. Yeah, awesome. Uh, thanks for uh, sharing that story. Uh, can, you, can you drop a little last nugget of wisdom uh, for the listeners here who are thinking that they might be interested in starting a business of their own? Yeah, I, uh, you know, I'm pro-business. I always try to inspire people to do different things, to create options for themselves. You know, I always am giving unsolicited advices. It's, it's one of my uh, things that people get irritated with because I'm always like, hey, I know what you should do with your life. Yeah. <laughs> Let me line it out for you. <laughs> you know, but the, really the most important thing is, uh, is integrity. You know, integrity is everything. And integrity, you know, in people, if you're gonna get involved with people in business, make sure their integrity is, is just stainless. And that's one of the great things that I love about, you know, Chad and Bob is their integrity. So uh, make sure your partners have that high value. And, you know, it's basically life is about what you do when no one else is looking. Boy, there is so much truth in that. That is for sure. Yeah, man. No doubt about it. All right, friends. So next we're going to talk about a crazy summertime adventure that we had in Red Rock Canyon a few years back. And uh, Jason's going to ask me some fun questions all about this. All right, before we start telling this next story, we're going to give a shout out to our incredible partner in all things rope access equipment, that being Petzl. Rig Rope Access is a Petzl technical partner, and we like promoting their company. Petzl has a series of how-to videos on their YouTube channel created for work at height professionals. Filmed at the Petzl Technical Institute in Salt Lake City, these informational videos provide an overview on best practices, technical considerations, and common applications for some of Petzl's most popular products. New videos are frequently uploaded, so be sure to subscribe to their channel at youtube.com forward slash Petzl Professional Videos. That right there, friends, is why Rig Rope Access is a Petzl technical partner. Petzl is an unparalleled leader in the work at height industry, and they're such a fantastic company to be aligned with. Rig loves Petzl. All right, Jason. So let's share this wild story with everyone. Yeah, absolutely. This is a great adventure tale. This is the escape from the maze. So, uh, Andrew, you're going to tell everyone what the maze is, 
all about and why this is a memorable time of year, especially this summer, July of uh, 2022, August. We're in a crazy monsoon here in yeah. southern Nevada. Yeah. So uh, give give the backstory to the maze. All right, you guys. So the maze is one of the very, very best adventures locally in Las Vegas in Red Rock Canyon. It's so cool that the first time I did it, I did a presentation on it at REI and a bunch of local people came and came into the uh, presentation room to see what the maze is all about. And what it is, it's a slot canyon out in Red Rock Canyon National Conservation Area. And it's something that should be more of like up in Southern Utah in these areas where canyoneering is really uh, a big thing. And it's just this incredible eroded maze of sandstone in the upper parts of Icebox Canyon. And uh, it terminates at the very end with a waterfall and it's a big adventure day. And you have to do upwards of 20 rappels sometimes. Um, it could be a dozen mandatory swims. So you're rappelling down, treading water, taking yourself off rappel, swimming across these pools. And this time of year, especially with this rain, man, it must be incredible up there with uh, crystal clear water, the pool's as deep as possible. Right, everything's gotta just be pumping. I'm sure that it's like super pristine right now. Yeah, yeah. So the, the Escape the Maze story is, what, four years, five years old now? 2018. 2018. Yep. So I, I adventured, I did this adventure with you prior to the escape version yep. and we had a, a great time up there and it was super clean the repels were great we'd had some over overcast skies and uh it, we did hear some thunder the day that i was out there but it there really wasn't any cause for concern we were kind of monitoring stuff it, it seemed like everything was checking out okay yep. but uh you went back the following the following month or three Correct. four weeks later yep Correct. And so uh, what were, what were the, the details with that? Who did you do the, the escape with? All right. So I always like doing a big adventure on my birthday. Okay. Birthdays are always a big thing for me. Right. Yep. And I always got to be doing something cool. And, and, uh, that was my 47th birthday. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I was turning 47. And so I said, well, why don't we go do the maze again? And I'd just done it a month before with yourself and, Jesse and that was a really fun time and so uh Travis wanted to go do it and uh my son Wilson wanted to go do it and we wanted to take Mitchell with us because yep. Mitchell hadn't done it yet yep so um we planned on going and doing it August 16th my birthday yep and on that day there was a 30 percent chance of rain forecasted for the area right now that's a big area Yes. That this 30% chance of rain is for. So within this area, there's a 30% chance of rain happening somewhere. All right. And being in a slot canyon in some places in the country, particularly southern Utah, with a 30% chance of rain can be very dangerous because it could rain 10 miles away from you. And the drainage that you're in connects to the drainages 10 miles away. Yeah. So a flash flood can come sweeping down and on you and you don't even know it. Red Rock Canyon, um, the Red Rock Canyon escarpment is on a ridge and it's on the east side of the ridge of the Spring Mountains. And there are no drainages that feed into these canyons from miles away. It's like it has to rain 
on the spot. Right. Okay. And, um, well, I thought, of course, that's not going to happen. It's going to rain someplace else, not on us. Right. All right. Um, so we chose to go do, uh, this adventure that day. There was a little bit of, uh, um, concern, um, about us going and doing this, but I, I blew that off as if, you know, I can control these situations and yep. I totally have this. And so we went and did it and we hiked up, um, Lost Creek to the very top. So it's a huge day. You start from the bottom of the Red Rocks, you hike all the way to the very top of Red Rock. You circle around and you drop into the maze from the very back, um, at the very, very top. And one of the things that I've always done when I do the maze, and it's the only canyoneering adventure I've ever done. I have not done other canyons in Zion. I haven't done the full narrows. I've gone up it a little bit. I've done the subway from the bottom up. So I haven't done any of these huge classic canyons. Right. Okay. Imlay and heaps and stuff. Okay. I've just done the maze. And it's intimidating enough for me that I always want to bring gear to escape the maze right there is and that was recommended to me by a friend of mine mel brown who's done a lot of canyons he says you should never go into one of these canyons without the means to get yourself out sure so take a self-rescue kit and i'm big on that because i was big on that in climbing and i think a lot of climbers skip the self-rescue part of learning you need to know how to get yourself out of a jam yeah not have to call for help all right so um i always take a rack of gear some old hexes some nuts some slings some beaners some uh, stuff I leave around trees and some old camps that I could leave to build an anchor to climb out. Well, that day we did the upper maze, which is a bunch of just beautiful repels, beautiful pools. They were great. And then you have to do the one hour hike. You remember mm -hmm. 50 minutes down to the lower maze, which the lower maze is really where the business starts. And as we got down there, it started to rain. The clouds completely closed in and it's pretty scary because you're in this deep canyon and you can't see what's happening around you. Yeah. You only see a narrow sliver of sky and so it could be blue above you, but you could be clouds. The, the sky of doom could be coming on you and you don't even realize it. Well, that's what happened. And it started raining heavily and thunder and lightning and we took shelter underneath a big overhang. And this was just upstream of what I call Red Rock's largest chalk stone. Yeah, that giant chalk stone that is lodged in that hallway. So we are about 200 yards upstream from that underneath this overhang, pouring rain. The canyon at that part is maybe 75 feet wide and it's filled with rubble. And it had been over an hour and at this of, of just torrential rain. And I knew at this point that like we could not continue going down the maze. Right. This was, we, it would just, we weren't prepared for it. Okay. It was going to be dark. It was going to be cold. It, it wasn't going to work. And, uh, so I said to Travis, I said, Travis, we got to get out of here. So I said, maybe cruise down there and see, see about if we can climb out down there. One of the things I had been looking at was pools of water were starting to form where we were. Mm -hmm. And I knew that water was running underneath of us. Yeah. And if you had put microphones in this Canyon and and you could have isolated 150 waterfalls. We were just in it. Yeah. We were in the drain, right? And uh, so Travis, and so when Travis went and checked uh, out that to see if we could exit over here, I told uh, Wilson and Mitchell, I said, put your harnesses on now, get your gear on now. And so they put their harnesses on, Travis runs back and he says, I can get out down there. And I'm like, Wilson, all of a sudden, he just, he kind of stood up and he goes, dad, do you hear that? 
And I go, what, buddy? He goes, it just sounds different. And I just took a, a, a half a second to listen, and I could tell that the sound of the whole canyon was different. The, the waterfalls coming down all over the place had turned to this. And I was like, I ran out from under this overhang, and I looked up the canyon, and the canyon was wall-to-wall water. And I said, get in the trees, get in the trees now. And we jumped in this tree, climbed up it. Thank goodness it was a huge oak tree, man. If it, There was pine trees there, but the pine trees... This would have been a thing where if you were trying to hug a tree, you just would have been swept, 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 away. swept away. You wouldn't have been able to hang on. But this oak tree kind of, it, it forked and we were able to climb up of it and we had to lanyard ourselves into this tree and the water was coming up and it was coming up and coming up. And uh, Travis says, Andrew, you can lead up this cliff here. And so I looked up this cliff running with water, but some of the most beautiful Wacos in patina. <laughs> <laughs> and so... Uh, man, um, we weren't tied into our ropes at this point. And so I was at the very, very top of this tree. My fear was, was the branch cracking and me falling in this. Cause you just, you'd be gone. There's no saving you. And, uh, so they, um, handed me the ropes. I tied in Wilson undid my pack, took the rack out, put the gear on my harness and, uh, which was the couple cams that I had really. Yeah. And Travis told me I was on belay and I stepped out of that tree onto this cliff running with water and, uh, just made my way up to this cliff. It was about 60 feet of lead climbing, excuse me. And to a ledge with scrub oak trees that I made a quick belay and off belay on, on belay and brought these guys up. And we were stuck on that ledge for three hours yeah. until the, uh, until the water came down. And so then, um, we were, the water came down and I was pretty sure we could hike out down. I had this way, the way I told Travis to go check out, like maybe we can get out down there. And so I was pretty sure that this one pine tree that I could see on the skyline was over by the rock climb, uh, burlesque and frigid air buttress. I, I just convinced myself of this, right? So we spent an hour and a half climbing up to this ridge, which I thought was where burlesque was. <laughs> and Exit strategy. We, yeah. yeah, yeah. And we're just looking across this abyss of canyons of like totally technically not even possible to get over there. Right. Burlesque was so far away and everybody was just so defeated because we were just hoping it was going to be repelled back down to the car and yep. we'd be done. But no, it wasn't like that. So we had to down climb and, and then go all the way back up the canyon. And we climbed up through the hidden forest of Bridge Mountain on the north side up to the east ridge of Bridge Mountain and dropped over into Pine Creek Canyon. Wow. And that was the first place. And I'd done that many times before. I knew that area because I've done the uh, fridge, uh, frigid air buttress to Bridge Mountain a bunch of times. And so I'm familiar with that terrain. But when we got up there, we were finally able to turn our phones on and get cell signals. And our phones are just blown, blown up. up. Yeah. People thought we were gone. Yeah. Because they saw this storm unload on on Icebox Canyon. Right. The 30%, we were the bullseye for that. Yeah. And so we were able to let everybody know we were okay. And uh, so then we hiked down underneath the south face of Bridge Mountain, underneath the Pisces Wall. And I know that area pretty well because I've done a lot of climbing up there and did the first scent of the Pisces wall. So I've been up there a lot and we got to the parking lot of Pine Creek at two in the morning. Wow. Yeah. And that, that was basically, uh, 
that was the birthday adventure that I'll never forget. Of a lifetime. And I think about it, yeah, of a lifetime, and I think about it all the time. I'm so grateful that Wilson was tuned into it, and he heard it, and I asked him the next morning, I said, man, what, what, you, I can't believe you heard that. He goes, you know, Dad, I, I felt it first in my legs. I go, really? I'm glad, I'm so glad you're a sensitive guy. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm not. And it, oh man, we're so, I'm so grateful for that. And that's why, you know, my birthday is tomorrow. And I wanted to share this fun story with our listeners. And well, I highly recommend that? the adventure, everybody, but you go sure. do it when it's safe conditions. Absolutely. So, right, with your birthday being tomorrow, I mean, do you have a, a bucket list item or a bucket list adventure that uh, out in Red Rock that you want to do? Oh, sure. I still have some first ascents that I want to do. And, that I'm fairly certain haven't been done yet. And that's the great thing about Red Rock Canyon. You know, even after 30 years of adventuring out there and climbing those sandstone peaks and just running up and down those canyons, there's still so much cool stuff to do that I haven't done yet. So I love it out there. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, yeah, no surprise. There's just a lifetime of stuff to do out there. Uh, boy, are there any like first ascents specifically that you want to do or that you, or you're trying to keep those secret? Oh, I got to keep those secret. Those, <laughs> those are, those, yeah, your little book, you know, all first ascensionists have a little book and you only share them with the most, you know, the, the most, uh, secret keeping people. Right. Right. <laughs> can't let the young, can't let the young guns know about them. Yeah. You better not buddy. <laughs> All right, friends, thanks for listening to the Rigway podcast. And as mentioned earlier, our, our goal is to educate, inspire, and entertain you for a few minutes of your day a couple times a month. And we hope you enjoyed this episode. So if you have any questions, please ask. We love to share. You know, I love that. And reach out to the Rig Instagram, Facebook, or our LinkedIn pages, and we'll definitely get back to you. And to close, remember this. As always, when you're doing things the rig way, you're doing things the right way.